0: The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank believes communities thrive when individuals succeed. Working together, we can help create economic opportunity for all. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, May 7th. In today's news, Stephen Mnuchin refuses to release President Trump's tax returns. Trump pardons a former soldier who murdered an Iraqi prisoner. And Myanmar releases two journalists. But first, the big idea. Trump's threat to impose tariffs on $200 billion of Chinese goods has further inflamed the relationship between him and Senate Republicans over trade, as GOP lawmakers fight what to them feels like an increasingly losing battle to push Trump away from his protectionist instincts. Pro-free trade senators have tried private meetings with Trump, op-eds in prominent newspapers, and other tactics to warn him away from a new round of tariffs. They've also tried hard to convince him to lift existing levies on steel and aluminum products made abroad. But the latest threat made over the weekend, and the White House doubled down on it yesterday, only deepened concerns from GOP senators who have made little headway. The number 2 Senate Republican John Thune from South Dakota lamented that nobody's able to get through to Trump, but that pro-market conservatives are going to keep trying. The Trump administration justified potentially slapping the hundreds of billions of dollars in tariffs by saying China is the one that reneged on commitments it had made as part of the broader negotiations. But Republicans aren't buying that excuse— that much was clear in a private White House meeting late last week when half a dozen Republican senators who sit on the powerful Finance Committee assembled to argue against Trump's tariffs. But in a bizarre move, Trump tapped Peter Navarro to make a presentation to the senators on how the tariffs are helping. Navarro's hardliner, a protectionist of the strongest variety. He's widely detested by Senate Republicans, and they were annoyed that they had to watch his presentation. It only made them angrier. Chuck Grassley, the chairman of the committee, insists that the steel and aluminum tariffs must be lifted before he will even allow a vote to ratify the administration's new trade agreement with Mexico and Canada. Asked how successful the session in the Roosevelt Room was last week, the Iowa Republican deadpanned yesterday, quote, not very successful. The China threat, though, made over the weekend really stunned senators who were convinced that those trade negotiations between two of the world's largest economies were on track, particularly as Vice Premier Liu He was slated to lead a 100-person delegation to Washington at the end of this week to finalize a deal. Instead, Trump sent the markets into a brief tailspin, and now the Chinese are saying they may not come. The Dow Jones Industrial Average plummeted more than 470 points on Monday, but recouped most of those losses by the end of the session, although the administration laid out its accusations against the Chinese for reneging on the trade commitments after the markets closed. So we'll see what happens today. The administration is now looking at quotas as one potential way to defuse this standoff. It's an option that U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer briefed the senators on last Thursday. That would place limits on the amount of steel and aluminum shipped to the United States rather than imposing a financial penalty through tariffs. But this idea, too, is likely to run into a wall of opposition from Republicans. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin, who had been the finance chairman of Donald Trump's 2016 campaign, formally rejected on Monday night a congressional request for six years of the president's tax returns. He claimed that the House Ways and Means Committee, quote, lacks a legitimate legislative purpose for invoking a 1924 law that explicitly says the IRS shall furnish the tax returns of any American at the request of the chairman. Trump has told White House aides that he will take this battle over his tax returns to the Supreme Court, He believes the five justices appointed by Republican presidents, including two by him, would protect him from needing to comply with the statute. That tees up a landmark test not just for separation of powers under the Constitution, but really the very integrity of our justice system. Meanwhile, more than 450 former federal prosecutors, including many prominent conservatives, signed on to a statement asserting that Trump would have been charged with obstruction of justice if he was not president. The statement signed by myriad career, former government employees, as well as high-profile political appointees, offers a rebuttal to Attorney General Bill Barr's determination that the evidence uncovered by Bob Mueller was not sufficient to establish that Trump committed any crime. Among the high-profile signatories, Donald Ayer, a former deputy attorney general in the George H.W. Bush administration, Paul Rosenzweig, who served as senior counsel to Ken Starr, and Jeffrey Harris, who worked as the top assistant to Rudy Giuliani when he was in Ronald Reagan's Justice Department. The House Judiciary Committee, meanwhile, plans to vote tomorrow to hold bar in contempt of Congress and is considering a similar move against former White House counsel Don McGahn. McGahn faces an afternoon deadline today to turn over 36 types of documents subpoenaed by the House Judiciary Committee, most relating to the Mueller probe. But White House officials have signaled that they may claim executive privilege and try to bar McGahn from complying, raising the possibility of a contempt citation for him should he go along with their plan. Number two, last night, Trump pardoned Michael Behenna, a former army lieutenant who served five years in prison for the murder of an Iraqi prisoner in 2008. Bahena, who was an army ranger in the 101st Airborne Division, was convicted of unpremeditated murder in a combat zone and sentenced to 25 years after killing Ali Mansour, a detainee and suspected Al-Qaeda member. Bahena stripped Mansour naked, interrogated him without authorization, and then shot him twice. He's claimed repeatedly that he was acting in self-defense. The former soldier, who's now 35, fought to overturn his conviction on the grounds that the prosecution had hid evidence that would have benefited his case. But a judge denied that effort, though Behenna's sentence was ultimately reduced to 15 years, and then he was released on parole in 2014. Until Trump's pardon, Behenna faced another five years of parole. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders says Behenna is, quote, entirely deserving of a pardon. Number three, Wah Lone and Chu So U. The two Reuters journalists who have been held in Myanmar for over 500 days because of their brave coverage of the country's crackdown on Rohingya Muslims were freed from prison today after receiving a presidential pardon. The detention has tainted Myanmar and its civilian leader, Nobel Peace Prize winner Aung San Suu Kyi. The pair of journalists have been bestowed with multiple honors and awards for their investigation into a massacre of 10 Rohingya Muslims. That was the story they were working on at the time of their arrest. These include the Pulitzer for international reporting, journalism's highest honor, which they won in April. Both men grew up under Myanmar's dark days of military rule, and they worked as reporters during the country's dramatic transition to a largely civilian-led government. Suu Kyi's government, when she took over, was widely expected to end arbitrary detention of government critics, to free political prisoners, and to continue a media renaissance the country was experiencing. Instead, Su Chi has clamped down on free expression and continued to use archaic and widely criticized laws to imprison people like these Reuters reporters. Their Reuters colleagues posted video and photos of the two journalists walking out of the gates of Yangon's Insign Prison, carrying a single bag each with their few possessions. They were mobbed by a crowd of cameras and onlookers upon their exit. Wa Lone thanked everyone around the world who has helped to secure his freedom, then he wrapped up his brief comments by saying, quote, I can't wait to go to my newsroom. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, May 7th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.